Alrighty, everybody. Welcome to the comments from the Peanut Gallery podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Kurtz. I'm here at Factory X down in Englewood, Colorado with my man, Iron Mike Barnett, as well as the machine, Justin Osborne. Fellas, how you doing tonight? Doing well, man. Uh, We just finished training at um, at, uh, Ludwig Martial Arts, so a little sweaty. We went to, we got two sessions in there today. We did a uh, private this morning. With uh, one of their, their new instructors, Seth. Coach Seth. Coach Seth. And then we just finished up a uh, kickboxing class taught by uh, Banks. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. That's awesome. So what, what was it like, you know, getting to, because, I mean, you're, you're here just on a on short trip, right? Yeah. How was it, you know, getting to do a class with somebody like Dwayne? Man, it's awesome because I'm a big fan of Bang. Like, I'm a big, I've been a big fan of him since, you know, since he was fighting. I was a big fan of him when he was, you know, watching those guys at Eric. Watch when he's coaching those guys at uh, Alpha Male, and you know I was a big fan of his work. You know when he started working with T.J. Susan after their breakup or whatever, just because man, the for me the Burrell uh, Dillashaw fight, the first one is like is if if Sarah GSP is upset, you know one uh, Burrell Dillashaw is one A for like greatest upsets in UFC history, man. I mean that nobody expected that T.J. was a late fill-in injury replacement. He had, he was a marginal fighter, really, up to that point. I mean, he was a good wrestler. Everybody knew he worked hard. He was a young guy, but nobody expected that. Brow was on a 30-fight like, win streak, hadn't lost in 10 years. Dana was calling him the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world. I mean, like all the everything was there for, for, for Brow to just walk over TJ. And TJ came out round one, fucking almost into the fight right then. You're right? right? Yep. And then and then just took it and just beat on him. It wasn't yeah. even really well, really a fight after I, that. I, I've said this about about Barrow and, and about fighting in general. There's sometime there are some fights where guys get the fight beaten out of them. And Barrow never came back the same after that fight. No. Even the fight before he rematched TJ against Mitch Gagnon, he was very conservative. He, I mean, he finished him with an arm triangle, but the old Barrow would have came out and finished him in the first round. He was going. But he was. But the same Barrow, the same like fire and ferocity, and like I'm gonna come forward and I'm gonna, I'm head hunting you, mm-hmm. I'm stalking you down. It never existed again. No. No. TJ. TJ killed that guy. Oh yeah, for absolutely. Sure. I mean, and you could see it, you know, there people talk about, oh, you could see it in his eyes. And he was, he was, he may have been concussed, but you could see in his eyes the rest of that fight that Brow did not want to be in there. He, he, he didn't. It showed on, in his eyes and it showed in his face. He didn't want to be in there. And that was, for me, that was just like insane. Like I said, everybody, nobody was expecting TJ to, to, to do that. Especially that way, right? Like, if TJ had came in there and wrestled him up and held him down and... Or maybe and, it was, or maybe... Maybe he caught him with that overhand right and finished right. him in the first round. They were like, ah, oh, well, he he, he yeah. caught him with a caught him with one shot in the first round, blah blah blah. But to beat him down like that, yeah. and it it proved without a doubt who the better fighter was. Exactly, there was no there was no doubt in who the better fighter was. And then to go back and then do it a second time, right when when Burrell came back in there. But like Justin already said, he wasn't the same guy anymore. So. Learning from the guy that, that that taught TJ that, and then it wasn't it, had, it wasn't even that long. It was like like two years maybe, right? That TJ went from marginal, you know, mid level, you know, UFC fighter, right? A good fighter, but to world champion, world class, you know, just in the pound for pound. Catapulted, yeah. yeah, just just yeah, just like you said, like a catapult, man, just shot him up uh, with his ability level. So to learn from Bang, for me, was like really really cool. That's awesome. And you know, his style's based in um, in the Dutch style kickboxing anyway. And that's kind of what 
I've been taught my whole career anyway, so going into it, learning the footwork of it is, is, is something that I, I like the way they fight, and it was awesome to learn it straight from him. So, yeah, I think we, we had a great time. That's awesome, you know, the, you know, the boss system is tried and true. Yeah. You know, across the board. I actually, I got to, uh, I got to meet Bang at uh, at your fight, actually. Yeah. You know, when he was walk, walking through, I was just like, "Holy shit, that's Dwayne Ludwig walking yeah. right in front of me." And you know, just then he's just like, "Hey, man, what's up?" And, you know, shook his hand, gave me a hug right there, said thanks for coming out to the fight. So, sent like a really cool dude. But yeah, yeah. You know, with TJ on that side of things, it's it's incredible to me where he's been able to. I guess develop his movement like the angles that he creates are just unreal like watching their Instagram videos and just showing some of their training sessions like you see they have a lot of high level guys there in general but then you see TJ go when they're going through some of their different flows and just different mid drills and whatnot. Yeah. And he just has a different kind of something to him sometimes when he's, you know, when he's going low to high and, you know, throwing some of those kicks and those combos. Yeah. And the dude has got incredible wrestling as his base in the first place before he even started all that. Right. You know, so it, it's it's probably, you know, probably one of the best experiences, I'm sure, to study from a, you know, world sure. And then doing my base was wrestling too. My biggest thing is, is footwork. So going into it and then learning it, like we were doing the we were doing the flows this morning on the mitts, man. It was just it was just awesome because a lot of it for both of us come came really naturally. Because I started, I was had been training in Alabama at Port City MMA for a long time. When Justin came, so I was you know helping Justin along when he first started out. And so that's what Justin started out as. And like he's a six foot, he's six foot lightweight, right? A lot of six feet people six feet tall, they don't have that same kind of footwork, especially at this at that at that weight, right? Like a lot of six feet guys, you know, one seventy and up. They're like, and they're still good athletes. But Justin can do it. Justin is six foot, but he has like the footwork of somebody who's like five seven, five eight. So like even for like it was really good for him just because he can use his length and size and then also speed and athleticism, man. It was it was awesome. And I was going to touch on it too. Combined with your Golden Gloves, back, Golden Gloves boxing background, it's, yeah. it, it just Mike's just a different animal with yeah. that. It's it, like it's awesome. The, this this right here, right here, he's responsible. <laughs> this this bastard right here is responsible for giving me my first cauliflower ear because he kept hitting me with this left hook yeah, right on the money. You know, it's for all the body kicks, man. It's payback, man. So we're even. He, Kind of weighs itself yeah, out, right? Weighs itself out, yeah. Yeah, sure. So, Mike, tell uh, tell everybody a little bit more about yourself, man. We're uh, you know, fighting out of Port City, Alabama, still. Yeah, we I still we still fight at Port, Port City MMA, Mobile, Alabama. Um, our head instructor is J- uh, James Mills, Jimmy Cornbread Mills. He uh, he's trained under Ramon Deckers in uh, Holland, so that's our our main instructor. Um, our you know, we've got now Randy El Papi James. He's uh, he trained under Jimmy as well. Um, and also under Johnny Smith, who is an undefeated uh, professional boxer from Mobile. Um, personally, I'm originally from California, and I moved to Alabama to go to college. Um, so I've I've been back and forth now between Alabama and California. So I've trained uh, trained a lot with Team Quest, Sam Al- Sam Alvey, Dan Henderson, all those guys. I spent a little bit of time at um, Alliance down in San Diego. I was living there for a little bit. I trained at the Arena MMA in San Diego as well. I went to Kings um, twice. Kings MMA for a couple classes. I got to meet and train under Rafael Cordero. That was really cool. And I've been to. Yeah, so I've been training. I've trained around. I've trained a lot of high level guys. Um, it's, it's it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I wrestled in high school. Um, two years as a senior, I finished second in my league, which is like 
districts, I think, in most places, maybe. Um, and then I finished 10th or 12th, 12th in my CIF, which is like maybe sectional, I don't know, I don't know how they do it in other states, but in California, you've got your league, and then your, your CIF Southern section, and then you go masters, and then state, right? I went to, I went, I made it to sectionals, and I finished 12th, and I think they took the top 10. But I was only, that was only two years of, of wrestling, and I had never wrestled before, so I got a lot out of it. Um, I have a degree in criminal justice. Uh, I'm a mobile police officer, so that's why I started doing all this, really. It's just to kind of have something to help me on the street. And then I took a fight, found out I had a talent for it, and kind of, kind of fell in love with it. Um, I was a three-time amateur champion out of, Alabama, out of Mississippi, uh, Florida, and Louisiana, down in New Orleans. Yeah. All same weight class? Yeah, all same weight. Lightweight. Lightweight champ uh, for Island Fights as an amateur, for Renaissance MMA as an amateur, and for uh, Fight Force International in Mississippi as an amateur. Um, I'm 4-1 now as a pro with uh, two knockouts, a submission. Yeah, three finishes in my forward. So I was recently supposed to fight for the uh, Gulf Coast Fighting Alliance. Uh, uh, featherweight pro belt, but there's a new promotion, and the promoter didn't take care of all of his business, so our fights fell through kind of last minute. It's like super the disappointing. Day of. The day Like 30 minutes before the show was about to start. It's like super disappointing. You uh, shitting me. Nah, man. I had already cut, man, I had cut weight. Me and my guys had cut weight. Oh, we were like, wait, we were in the back. Wait, we actually had just started warming up the first guy that was going to fight on the show, man. And then they come back and like, so we have some bad news, guys. Uh, the fight's canceled. And we're like, <laughs> Are you kidding, bro? How? <laughs> how do we? How, how, get how did we get here, dude? How did we get here? You know. And, uh, and, and, and the, what was messed up about it too was like there hadn't been fights in Mobile since Titan FC was there, like two, like, like two years no, before, more than that, more than three, like three, like three or four years three, ago. When our boy Kurt fought on that, so I was shout out so, Kurt So we were. So I was excited, you know, to see that, you know, to see fights at the Mitchell Center at my at our alma mater, South yeah. Alabama. And then to get the curtain pulled on on us like that was just yeah, it, was it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it, was, it definitely was. Because I mean, it's, because it's, that venue is perfect. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's perfect, it, yeah. and it's right on campus. Yeah, it's a bas- it's the basketball arena is the Mitchell Center at South Alabama, University of South Alabama. Uh, go Jags! Uh, yeah, and the cages in the middle, so you know everybody's like looking down. You know, they had they had made the fight poster, they had put it on the uh, electronic billboard out there, man. So everybody's driving by. Seeing my face on the uh, billboard right outside my, you know, my alma mater where I graduated from, and people still know me, and all this kind of stuff, man. And I had like, man, I had like 250 people there to see me fight, man. Yeah, and they all went home disappointed. Cause because so. we've always been the bad guys going yeah. on the road and and beating up on everybody and yeah. beating up on everybody and getting booed, yeah. you know. So exactly, yeah. We yeah. never get to fight at home, man. We get, had a chance to have a fight at home, and then that's rough. Yeah, like dude, I still can't believe that. Half an hour before the yeah, dude, it's awful. That's garbage, man. Terrible. Yeah, and then Mike's one loss, like he, like I don't make excuses for a lot of guys, but you got sucker punched by Brad Kelly, by Brad Machine Gun Kelly. We almost like they had to hold me, Mark, and Justin back because we wanted to jump into the cage and fight that guy and like kind of Nick Diaz kind of shit, you know, because. He went to glove touch Mike like this and then winged an overhand right after Mike had been dominating him like in the first two rounds. Yeah. So it, that's why I never glove touch anymore. 
because because of that. I, I was a little lackadaisical on it. Some you know check yourself at all times, be aware. I had also gotten a little tired, man. But I mean, it's a fight I was winning. It's funny. I had four I had four losses as an amateur, right? Um, actually, all four of my fights I should have won. But uh, I, was, I was beating all four of the guys that I lost to. And then, like, you know, as an amateur, you're learning how to fight, right? So you do stupid stuff. Like, like so the guy I lost to was actually my first loss, the guy Brad Kelly. Same same kind of thing, actually. I was, uh, we were fighting, I was, I was beating him, and I ended up making a mistake and, like, getting tired, and I pulled him out. I pulled him on top of me and mound. He, like, I wasn't hurt, but he, like, punched me a few times, and I didn't answer. I was just covering it up, which, again, like I said, I wasn't hurt, but they'll stop an amateur fight short. Um, and then... Again, same thing. So then we had a pro fight, and it was my first time going, you know, five minute rounds. Which, you know, I was in pretty good shape, but I had put out a lot of energy in those first two rounds, and I probably came a little harder in that, that last second. Like, just because I'm going to bring into that last round, I've been fine. But you were also fighting at 55, which is yeah. your weight, natural yeah. weight class. It's big. You, you're a lot more suited for 45 than you are 55. Yeah. Like, a yeah, five foot six, one fifty five or that doesn't come around that often. Yeah, I was. I was also, you know, I was a lot lighter than the guy. I mean, that, and that's part of what, 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 what cost me a lot of my energy is, is being the smaller guy. And taking, taking him down and Taking him down. And I, I had a lot of ground to pound in the fight, but it, it happens, man. Learning experience, you know. I'm, I'm on a four or five win streak since then. So, But I, there's so many dudes, like Jose Aldo good. lost his first pro fight. Right. Morrell lost his first pro fight. Right. And, you know, people go on a tear after so, that first loss. I mean, you, I mean... Yeah. You're, you're another animal now. You, yeah, mur- you murdered Bobby Ledkins with those elbows. Yeah, that one did for me. And that then you basically, uh, <laughs> you, you ended up on America's Most Wanted, but luckily you're a cop, so you're above the law. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one cool. guy out in 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, my career is, it's, 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 you know, trending in the right direction right now. Hopefully I'll get one of these uh, management companies to sign me soon and then look at some of these bigger promotions, LFA, maybe the Contender Series. Looking yeah. at stuff like that. So. Well, you had that one guy pull out. On yeah, you. I had actually had like I had like three guys in LFA pull out on me, man. Um, I had got there were two guys, and then one guy they offered me a fight on like one day's notice, but I had to drive to Dallas. That was like a nine and a half hour drive, and I have a full time job, man. I can't I can't take off in one day and drive nine and a half hours and cut weight mm-hmm. and be ready to fight. So I couldn't take that one. But uh, yeah, man, I was supposed to fight for LFA in Phoenix in January. And they offered me the fight late notice. I took it on like a week, week and a half's notice. I accepted the fight. Um, and then, so that was like Thursday or Friday, right? They offered me the fight. I accepted, you know, I'm preparing to get ready to go to Phoenix the next week. Well, that like Monday or Tuesday, the guy decided he didn't want to fight me, right? And he picked somebody I think he thought would be an easier fight. Yeah. Which the guy he, he picked was a friend of mine from California at Team Quest, Jordan Winsky. Um, it was actually, and I think that fight was at 45 too, but Jordan's actually at 35, but he's like 8-1, 7-1 as a, as a 35, so, and I was, at the time, I'd have, I was like 3-1, I think, so I don't know why he would have thought a guy with 4 or 5 more wins would have been an easier fight, I don't know, but Jordan's a little skinnier too than I, than I am, uh, but Jordan went out and finished him in the first round, so I was like, <laughs> that's what that guy gets, I don't even remember what the guy's name is now, I don't care, but Jordan kicked his ass, and then, um... Jordan hits uh, Sam Malvey with a stone cold stunner and got retweeted by uh, Steve Austin. So <laughs> everybody, everybody won, right? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. So you know, um, you have yeah. any sponsors you want to shout out? Um, yeah, uh, Randy James Construction, uh, Fit Body Boot Camp in Mobile at Hill, on Hillcrest, Rock and Roll Sushi, 
Um, Best sushi on the Gulf Coast. Heck yeah, man. If you come to the Gulf Coast, you got to come. You come to Mobile, you got to check out Rock and Roll Sushi. It's delicious. They got a, a Buddha statue with a mohawk. So, you know. Okay. That's how you know it's cool, right? Like, yep, yep. you see Throw a Buddha a statue. Flavor, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little flavor. So, yeah, shout out to my sponsors. Um, thank you guys for, you know, putting up with me and, and helping me out, guys. Oh, also, Rick Sporting Goods on um, Old Shell Road. They're uh, making my t shirts and, and all that kind of stuff, man. So. That's awesome. So, I mean, you mentioned uh, training with Dan Henderson, with yeah. Endo. <laughs> Justin was telling me about a story that you had with him, like grappling with him. He said, you know, like it was like trying to move that uh, that beam. Yeah, man. Building it's, right it's there. First, right? So, we were, so he comes in, he works out with the pro team, right? And um, my first couple times there, he, he, didn't, he, he didn't come in. And then he comes in, and I'm like, shit that's Dan Henderson dude like you know what I mean like I I played I played football I played basketball and I trained with like a lot of college stars are now in the NFL and one of the things was like act like you're one of them don't be a fan right like that was a thing like I, I did a camp at, uh, at, at USC when I was in high school and Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll was still the coach and he's like okay you guys are gonna be around these guys no pictures no autographs none of that stuff act like you know these are your peers right so you know I, when you go to the night I try to take that with me but like I, the first time meeting Dan Henderson I was like Dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's him though, right? Yeah. yeah, I was like one of the and so then like we're going and um, this one he's getting ready for Michael Bisping. Um, no, no, that was actually the first time. Like, yeah, we're 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 he's sparring with me, right? Me and Dan are sparring, and I'm just like, oh shit, Dan Anderson, right? And I like to stop there. He's like punching me in the face, right? And then so finally I like get my wits together. And I, you know, we're sparring. You know what I mean? He's obviously taking it easy on me. Um, but then um, I had him up against the. I had him. I had him back. He was backing up. I had him towards the wall. Right, and I go to shoot, thinking I'll get my my hands underneath the tips, and I'll, I'll catch him by surprise, right? Because he's Dan Anderson, he's not expecting some featherweight to shoot on him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Man, I shot into him, and like most people, even like bigger people, I'm a str- I'm a pretty strong guy. I could move people back, right? Even if I'm not getting the takedown, I can move people back. Like I shot into Dan, and it was like shooting into like a wall, right? And he didn't even like <laughs> sprawl. He didn't like really turn. He kind of just like planted his hip, dude. And I shot into him, and I was like. I like bounced off. I was like, oh shit. It's like, and I was like, no, nah, man, no. Nah. I'm thinking in my head, no, no, no. Surely, surely I, I messed up. Because so, I'm thinking, maybe he, I'm like, he's still off the wall. So I'm thinking, did he plan on the wall? And like, is that why I couldn't move him? You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I should at least be able to push him back. Yeah. Right? Nah, dude. So I'm, we're going again. I stood up. And then like, I shoot again. And this time I know he's not on the wall, right? I was inside. I, I got him. I'm at least going to get into his hips. Mm-hmm. Right? Dude, I shot in. And like, thought I was going to get into his hips. And, like, again, he doesn't sprawl. He kind of just, like, plants his foot. And, like, I just end up, like, turning onto my back like this, dude. And I'm like, all right, man, I'm just not going to do that. He was like, you know, those are pretty good shots. And I was like, man, get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's trying to call me. Yeah, he's trying to make me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was like, but, yeah, that was pretty good. Was but, like, but, I mean, that's, right. a, that's a two-time Olympian, too. So yeah, man. Know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. all relative in that respect. Yeah, exactly. He, he, you know, he, was, he said he was impressed and. At, at what he saw, which you know, hey, I'll, I'll take the compliment, right? Absolutely, I'll take the compliment, right. dude. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely a hit to your confidence, man. When you shoot on somebody, they don't sprawl. You get in deep, mm-hmm. and then you end up falling on your back, and they're just standing there, kind of like, "Come on, man, get up!" You know right. what I mean? Like just kind of looking down at you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what? Are you, why are you laying on the ground? But if it's gonna be anybody, yeah. you know, at least let it be to a world champion, yeah, and, you know, multiple, yeah. uh, multiple different promotions. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. and he's just super, super cool guy, super nice man. He, you know, I was out there at Team Quest. Um, I went out there a couple times before I moved back to California for a while. Um, 
and I was out there for like six months and they welcomed me and didn't you know they treated me just like one of their guys man so I really like those guys they've got a great like family environment over there and, and, and like I said Dan Sam um, Gustavo is their the boxing coach over there they're all those guys are all really good man. that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome so you know when you were taking one of those right hands you're like oh shit yeah, dude. I'm getting hit by an H bomb. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 the thing, man. You're like thinking about it. You're sparring, you know, whatever. And then he hits you with one. You're like, oh shit. And then you know, I'm a 45er, so he's obviously not putting everything into hitting right. me, man. Um, but I actually saw him. I mean, I watched him spar with Sam Albie, and I watched him spar with uh, Sean Strickland, man. And I remember, and Sean Strickland's a, is a young dude, man. Mm-hmm. He's you know, gorilla strong, right. big guy, man. He's huge, huge seventy. He's like Huge 18 and 2, right? Yeah, yeah, 18 and 2, 18 and 3. Big one, yeah. Yeah, he's a, and he's a big guy. So he's sparring with uh, Sam, or sorry, Sean is sparring with Dan, getting ready for Bisping, right? Um, and they're going, they're sparring, man. And then um, he caught Sean coming in with an H bomb, dude. And um, I saw it, like, I saw the, the impact, like, and like I said, Sean's been fighting a long time. Sean's a high level guy, man. And I saw it, like, head snap back and everything. I was like, oh, shit, that's the, that's the punch, right? And Sean, man, he had to sit out for he had to sit out for a few minutes after that. He got a, he had a, a minor concussion from that. And that was that's with crazy. the training, like, 18-ounce gloves on, man. Like, yeah. That was, and I was still probably not everything that he had on it, you know no. what I mean? And it was, it was crazy to see one actually go live like that, man. It was, it was, it was awesome, man. Training, being on the mat with him um, and, and rolling with him, learning from him, like, you know what I'm saying? We're... We're practicing takedowns, and fucking Dan Henderson is, is coaching you or telling you you did a good job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm practicing with other guys, obviously, and, and you know, it's that's a resource that not a lot of people have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's it's an experience. Uh, it was it was a great experience, man. It was a great experience. So, I really love training there. I'm hoping to go back there at the end of July and do some more training with them for, for a week or so. Well, they just, they just awesome. got a good system, yeah. I really, really, there. the boxing coach there, Gustavo Pujolis, He's awesome, man. He, he, you know, he he really opened up my game, um, my striking game with my my footwork, and he helped me really unlock a lot of my power. That uh, I was kind of he really taught me how to let my punches go even even better because you know in in boxing you can just turn them over and not worry about you know getting taken down in MMA. So I I wasn't turning my punches all the way over up until that point really. Um, so going you know drilling with him and, and his drills and stuff like that really opened up my really unleashed my power, I guess, and it's helped me a, a lot since then, man, I've been hitting a lot harder since I was training with them, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you guys seen the uh, the bobblehead doll, or like, I think it's MMA bobbleheads or something like that, the company that makes them, but they, they actually like have the pose of Hendo with the H-bomb, yeah. like, yeah, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. From, the, from that Bisping fight. Yeah, I, I have now. seen that because uh, Dan has one, I, I follow him on Instagram, <laughs> of course. He, he put it on, uh, yeah. he put it on Instagram, man, so I've seen that. I just yeah. thought it was crazy. Yeah, you know, like they uh, they they're just making one. I think it's uh, I think it's available for order now or something like that yeah. of a uh, Chuck one. Oh, really? With uh, you know, with the yeah. Yeah, I really I really actually really like that. Um, and my uh, so after my fight, I fought in October down in Island Fights in Pensacola and won a fight. And um, I actually did the X Men pose and my they took a picture of it. And my friend, one of my friends, he. He's able to like well, he was able to screenshot it actually from the video of the fight. Okay. And then he put it through an app and like it's turned it into kind of my logo, man. It's actually really cool. So that's like on the front of my shirts, it's kind of my my X Men pose. And like I had been working out with this guy, man. 
He's a great strength and conditioning coach. My back's all ripped, right? And mm-hmm. the picture like comes through, so then the logo comes through. I'm just like this, and you see all these back muscles. Like, oh, <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, Speaking of which, where can people follow you online? Uh, you can follow me online on Facebook at uh, Iron Mike Barnett. Also on Instagram at Mikey Fights. Mikey Fights. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. And then Justin, how about yourself? All right, so Facebook, Justin Osborne, and then um, uh, Instagram, justin.osborne.712. So Justin, you know, I mean, it's been a pretty uh, pretty incredible spring that you guys have had with uh, with your, your run over at Landau with a lot of a lot of your athletes and everything, you know, with right. your coaching and everything on that side of things. You know, talk to us about how that's kind of materialized throughout the last couple of months. So uh, with with the coaching at Landau Performance, uh, it really has opened up my eyes to to uh, just the, the finer details of strength and conditioning. Like like I really I really like their warm up routine that they have going there. They really set the posture of the athlete correctly and then they get their their hips in line as well. Um, it's hard to it's hard to explain in, in layman's terms, but that's you know if you ever have Augie or Eric Telly on or Nate Smock on your podcast, they could really they could explain the finer details to you uh, because obviously they've been working with that system for a long time. But I mean, all the fighters that they prepared at Landau Performance over the past year, they've had a seventy five percent winning rate so obviously what they have going on there is you know fantastic I mean uh, it's an incredible efficiency rate yeah right, to have 75% yeah. you know, close rate that's incredible yeah and obviously you know that um, I've always I've always believed this and it, it's uh, it's actually in Joel Jameson's book uh, Ultimate MMA Conditioning um, that conditioning is the number one re- weapon in fighting so you, you take that you, you take a you take a really ta- talented fighter I mean he may have you know great technique or what have you but if he gasses in the fight his technique starts to go really quickly and I mean Mike could tell you tell you about that too once that once that gas goes your technique gets sloppy I, your your footwork goes to shit I mean there's I mean, one. I mean, once you lose that gas tank, you better hope you catch him or something, because it's going to be a long night. Well, he runs out of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of great stuff. I mean, we had uh, Landau Performance also had uh, the the most uh, their most first round draft picks in this past NFL Combine, also, and the most draft picks in in free agent signings also from this past NFL Combine. So. Just getting to work that internship over there was very eye-opening for me because not only just to learn the learning the technical aspects of the exercise routines, but learning learning uh, the approach that each athlete has from the highest levels of the NFL to MMA to whichever or in professional baseball. You know, seeing their approach, like the athletes' approaches, like some guys are a little more happy-go-lucky, some guys are a little more like tight to the vest and serious so just seeing like what the highest level guys do of each sport you can kind of pick out what traits what what those traits are from each of those athletes and then try to work on yourself if that makes sense oh yeah definitely just picking you know making your own melting pot of all the best of what you see that's that's awesome man i mean i'm sure it was an incredible opportunity to just be in the mix of 
you know, some of the best of the best within this region that can only help you get better, I feel like. Absolutely, and uh, that's something I'm going to be taking down with me when Mike helps me move back down to Mobile. So, uh, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tremendous because um, uh, what, what's going on with my life right now is I'm going to be in Mobile for about four or five months, and then I'm going to go out to Anaheim after that because I took a job opportunity out there that would help me. Um, it would help me because I could make my own schedule, so then I could kind of play with it however I wanted to, to where life wouldn't be as stressful, you know, because I think the biggest thing I saw from all athletes, doesn't matter what sport, baseball, football, MMA, what have you, Atlanta Performance, the guys that were the the least mentally stressed tended to perform better. They had everything together. You know, obviously on the field they have everything together, but they have everything together off the field to where they have a clear mind and a clear, you know, a clear spirit, you know, to where they can just they can just let it go. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to relax when you're when you have stuff like with your job or what have you stressing you out. It's hard to let let it flow and just let it go. You know, it's easier said than done. So, to me, with this job opportunity, it's going to, I think it'll help me let it go a lot more, and and it's going to help me reach my full potential as a fighter. And then also, too, I'm planning on starting my Twitch channel. I actually just got my gaming computer the other day, and I'm going to buy some more of the supplies, and I'm going to probably launch that in in, uh, August, is what I'm planning. Nice. So, do you have a fight on the books or anything that you're uh, that you're looking at as far as a date? Well, we're looking at or time frame at least. We're looking at making the making my pro debut July twenty first, um, but nothing's been finalized or anything like that. We're still kind of in talks, so okay. you got to make sure you're not. You got to make sure that you're getting the right deal for you too. Yeah, so right. that's yeah, kind of a couple we're, things we're talking about trying to get him on. Atlas fights in Biloxi. Um, we're looking at uh, waiting on some, some some options. We got one option. We don't we really like it that much. So not not as far as opponent or anything like that. Just really, it's because they wanted to fight. They, they they came up with another amateur fight, but Justin's six and one, seven and one. So he doesn't really need another amateur fight. Two straps. Yeah, two-time amateur champion. There's no there's no really anything. In, in two very different regions. Too. Yeah, two different regions of the country. So. We're looking at trying to get him a good, uh, you know, a matchup at, at lightweight or, you know, depending on who it is, maybe even seven, just as a pro debut. We want, you know, it's a pro debut, so you're not going to get paid a whole lot, but we want, you know. want to at least make it Fairly right. good, yeah. We want to make it worth his, worth him, worth his time taking off, you know what I mean? Like, some of these guys for their pro debut, they'll offer three and three, right? And I'm like, three and three, dude, he can, you know, go to work and make three and three, you know what I mean? He can go to work and not get punched in the face and... and yeah. And, and just train and still get paid three and three. So yeah, we're looking at trying to get the right pay. Really, once we get that part straight down, we can deal with the rest of it. So for you know, that's something that we we've talked about a little bit on the show, but not a whole lot in depth. So when you say three and three for the people that are out there listening, could you kind of describe exactly what what that is? Yeah. So three and three just means three to show, three to win, right? Three hundred. Yeah. Three hundred. Three hundred to show, right? Because three thousand to show and three thousand to win is 
that's a good fight. That's a good that's good pay on a regional on a regional right. level. Excuse me. So yeah. like if you're making three 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 K and three K around, you know, anywhere under uh, like an LF LFA well, I guess RFA is gone, but you know, under like an LFA lion fight, you know, even as a three and three Titan F C yeah, anything, you know, under that level, if you're making three and three, three K and three K then you're doing pretty well. Um so yeah, it's like it so like as a as a as someone making your pro debut, your first fight is generally somewhere in the five and five, six and six, five hundred, five hundred, six and six. You know, depending on what your amateur record was, right? And and, and what you can sell as far as tickets and, and and where you live, where you fly. So like if you're fighting, let's say you're from the area of like Biloxi, Mississippi, right? The Gulf Coast, since that's where we live, we'll just use that area, right? If you're from Biloxi and you're gonna have a, the show is Alice Fights in Biloxi, if you can sell, you know, four or five, six thousand dollars worth of tickets, so you know it's twenty five bucks a pop, maybe a, ta- a couple tables. Your tables are eight hundred bucks. You sell two or three tables, and you can get you know twenty, thirty, forty of your family and friends to show up. You've you know made the promotion good money, right? Like that's that's close to that's close to three thousand dollars that you made the promotion, right? So. By making three thousand for them, that's and that's not including what they're gonna make on, um, you know, food and and drinks, right? Because your family's gonna come, they're gonna drink, right? They're gonna they're probably <laughs> gonna eat, okay? So the promotion makes, you know, four close to four grand off you, right? You can say, okay, look, I'm gonna bring you know seventy people, right? I'm gonna bring seventy people and I'm gonna sell three you know eight hundred dollar tables, As, even though it's my pro debut. I'm not gonna fight for four and four, right? You want me to fight on your show, right? So I'm not gonna fight for four hundred and four hundred. I need to make, you know, six and I can I can demand six fifty, six fifty, or seven hundred, seven and seven, right? You can demand seven and seven. You cost the promotion fourteen hundred dollars plus whatever they they if you well I mean if you're from there they're not paying for a room for you so you can demand seven and seven and you cost the promotion fourteen hundred to fight. But you made them close to four grand, so they come out, you know, ahead twenty six hundred dollars off one fighter, right? So if they have ten fights, they have eight local guys on in ten fights, and generally it's probably twelve or thirteen fights. So let's let's go with let's go with twelve fights. So they have twelve fights, eight local guys, eight local guys each sell, you know, close to four thousand, five thousand tickets. Plus the main event guy is going to be a local guy. He's going to sell even more than that, right? He's probably going to sell seven or eight thousand dollars in tickets and tables and stuff like that. They've made all this money off these local guys. These local guys are going to get paid more, right? So, and then also, right, if you sell a bunch of tickets in most places, you sell a bunch of tickets, they're bringing easier matchups for you. I mean, that's just because they want you to win, right? Your family and friends don't want to come and watch you lose. Right. You know what I mean? So, right. They want to keep on making <laughs> so, that Right. They want to keep on making that money. So, you sell a bunch of tickets, yep, you know, yep, for the promotion. Yep. The promotion and the, the, the matchmaker finds you a guy that you're <laughs> more likely, I won't call it because anybody, anything can happen in there, right? That you're more likely to beat. Right, so, and, and that's how a lot of guys build build their records and moving up at at this lower level. Hence, why everybody doesn't want to fight us because right. they they're like, well, right. we're fighting these guys. They're not, you know, we're not likely to win, so right. we're gonna take a pass on you guys. Right. So Which like, is why we, we have a hard time getting fight sometimes. Yeah, and it's it's a little BS, but it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Because um, I've said this. Um, a bunch of times. What's happening right now at the UFC where guys are saying, 
or saying no, you know, like the, you know, the Ayer Rodriguez situation, you know, that's a little different, you know, but like a lot of guys, you know, they say, no, I won't fight that guy, but I'll fight that guy that keeps trickle. It trickles down. Yeah. It, and it gets to the point where it's like, it's, it's, it's trickling down to that local level to where like, it's limiting other guys' opportunities to fight. Yeah. You know, whereas like at that, at that local regional level, you, you need to, guys to say yes, right? To just to for everybody, for to everybody get to get fights. To everybody, yeah, everybody to get fights. You know, you're not gonna get fights without people willing to fight, right? That like, just makes sense. Like we keep, yeah. That, you know, granted, I'm just a guy from the outside looking in. I don't have any skin in the game by any means, but I feel like until you put yourself into an established position, like who are you to you know, turn away those sort of fights? And that right. you're trying to make your build. You know, I mean, I, I could see, you know, if you're at the point to where, you know, like where Nate Diaz is at right now, turning down some of these. Yeah. Because some of these fights that just don't, they don't make sense for someone like him to take. And right. I kind of agree with his quote that he said, that he said, you know, I'm not fighting just anybody anymore because I am a pro fighter. Like, right. he's established right. himself and to the point to where the, there's, there's, there's two sides to that, right? Like, even at, at this regional level, right? Somebody, as long as the pay is right, or right. as long as you're getting paid... You know, well, right? Like a guy, so a guy like me, right? I'm, I'm four and one, right? I would, I should fight other guys around four and one, right? But would I take a fight with a guy that's like 17 and 0 or something like that? It's like already got more experience, right? You don't want to give up more experience like that for like not, not the right amount of pay, right? Like I wouldn't go fight, I wouldn't fight somebody who's like got 17 pro fights already. Uh, for the same money that I would fight somebody with eight pro fights, right? Because, you know, they, they have just a few more fights than me, right? I'm giving up a lot of experience going into that. And fighting is, like, 95% experience, right? So, like, these at this regional level, you need to be trying to find guys around your record that promotions don't have to pay you, they shouldn't pay you, you know, you know, three, 3K and 3K to fight, Right until you until you get up to that level, then you then you can like you said make those demands. Like those guys, like I think Cowboy Cerrone, they, he just agreed to a fight against somebody who's like Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards. It's like it's it's really like a lose lose fight for Cowboy, right? right? Just like just like the Jorge Masvidal fight was a total lose lose. Yes, but I love it. But I love it. I love it. But he shouldn't be taking that fight after, a month after having a war with Matt Brown. Right. Yeah. Like, because that, that was, you know, I mean, he head kicked, knocked him out in the last round, but he had to go through some shit, as most guys have to do. Yeah. yeah. With Matt Brown, it's always going to be a battle. I mean, I, you know, that's one thing I took away from sparring with him is, like, no, you're, you're not going to go through a guy. You're not just going to, you're not just going to run over a guy like Matt Brown. It doesn't happen. Right. You know, unless you get a crazy body kick KO like Ellenberger did that one fight but yeah. that generally isn't going to happen you're going to have to go through some shit you know to get yeah. through a guy like Matt Brown so you go so also you're you're similar yeah so you go so you you go through a war with Matt Brown and then take a, a fight a month later against a guy like as tough as Jorge Masvidal which I mean he had just came up from lightweight but people didn't really know how good he was right mm-hmm. until you know he fought Cowboy but it's like that's just not worth it, man. When you're yeah. at that, when you're level. at that level, like we all, every, everybody, Cowboys on everybody's favorite fighter list, right? Like everybody loves Cowboys. I'll fight anybody anytime, right? Mm-hmm. And that we like that. But like as also a fan of Cowboy, while I like that, 
want, I want him to, to continue to be successful, right? Right. So I would like for him to be a little more like selective, and he's earned that right, right? You, you earn that right to be a little selective. I would love to see Cowboy use that that right that he's earned to be a little more selective. But then, like, let's say, like uh, uh, Zabit versus Yair, right? First right. off, they end up booking the fight. Zabit is going to walk through Yair. He's, he's just got no basics, right? He's scary. Yeah. Fucking good. Yeah, he, he is. is scary. Good. On, the, on the feet right. and on the ground. Yeah. I think. Yes. I think. I think. But like. Yair is a six-foot featherweight that doesn't have a jab or a cross. Right, no jab, no cross at all. If you go back, everybody listen to this, go back and watch Yair versus Frankie Edgar and count the number of jabs, okay? Count the number of jabs Yair threw at the five-foot-six Frankie Edgar and see how many it was because it's, like, close to zero if it's more than five, right? And you just saw in the fight, he's got no jab, he's got no basics, right? And against Zabit, that's gonna. I mean, they 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 were gonna get him hurt, right? They're building Zabit off of Yair, right? The, you know, young prospects put them together now, but they're still paying Yair, right? Low level, you know, entry level money, right? But the fight against Zabit is not a low level entry money entry level money fight. You know what I'm saying? So his his camp's like, no, nah, we're not taking that fight for this money. And then Dana White cuts him. If it was me, if I can't get the money. That's fine because in the long run, right? Yeah, you're still you know athletic guy. He's like a young guy. He's got plenty he's of time 25. to get better. He's 25. Think, he's got plenty of time. If you think about it, what does Yair even have to lose? Well, I mean, I mean, obviously, like it's if he if he were can't take to take too lose. many more beatings like 22 no, against he Frank, and he's going to take you talked about getting the fight beaten out of you. He takes too many more like and that, you're going to have problems. He's going to take one against the beat. Yeah, or or Sabit might sub him. Yeah, which I think that's I think that's the most likely outcome is a beat by submission because I don't think like I think Zabit is a phenomenal talent like but but I think he I think he also like Zabit's got a phenomenal ground game right and he's he's so good tall. yeah he but he, on the feet he's wild which is why he's fun to watch mm-hmm. but that but when you're wild like that. When you face a striker like a uh, like a we'll just say Max Holloway, you face a striker like Max Holloway, he's gonna make you pay for being wild. Yeah, but but, but Zabit's got that ground game right. to where he can maybe get away with being a little wild on feet. Right, but Yair doesn't have the yeah, basics exactly. that Holloway has. Yeah. Right, and the and uh, Zabit has the Zabit has the straight punches that Yair doesn't have. Right, he's wild with the hooks, wild with the kicks, because he's kind of got a little karate flair to him. But the beat doesn't have—I mean, I'm sorry—Yair doesn't have the basic part of it to, to counter that, right? To, to make him pay with that, the head movement, the basic boxing part of it, right? So they're trying to sign, you know, Zabit and Yair, and Yair's like, Yair's people are like, okay, well, Yair doesn't need to take this fight for this same money because, like I said, Zabit isn't ranked yet. But I mean, he's—I think he's got 15 wins. Six subs and six knockouts, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is and then three to three, uh, three, three decisions, something like something like that. I, I just looked at this the other day. So you're gonna fight a guy who's already contender level talent, right? For prospect level money, mm-hmm. right? And at the end of the day, yeah, we're fighters and we're trying to be world champions and we're here for the glory, but. We gotta get paid, right? You gotta because you only got so many. You know what I mean? We, you talk about wars, right? Yair's gonna have to make it a war to have a chance, 
right? So you only got so many. You should not take a war-type fight that you're, you know, not, you're the underdog, right? And, I, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at it as a heavy underdog, right, for prospect-level money. Especially, you know, once because like I don't know what I don't know how many fights Yair has in the UFC now, but he's probably still closer to eight and eight that they they start you out with, maybe a little more than that, um, and then like the twenty five hundred for you know the Reebok sponsorship or whatever it is, and he's probably got a couple under. So let's say he probably makes you know twenty thousand, twenty five thousand to fight, right? But that's a fight that afterwards he's probably going to be out for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Even if even if he wins, he's going to suffer some damage in that fight unless you know by you know. He gets a quick flash knockout or something like that. So he's going to suffer this damage. He's going to sit out, right? And people think, oh, yeah, man, you, you know, fighters make all this money. Well, they don't. Like, the average UFC fighter makes, like, 40 grand a year, right? So most of you out there, you know, at your regular job, you make more than that, right? But the potential, you know, the earning potential is obviously greater as, you know, as some, for some of these guys. So Yair loses on his earning potential. He sits out on his actual earnings, mm-hmm. right? And then also he, he sits out of he sits out of fighting, so he loses even more earning potential, right? Because you know when you lose, in an MMA it's not as bad as in boxing, right? In boxing you get two three losses, you know, you're a bum. You, you're a bum. You're no longer a, you're no longer a prospect or a contender. In MMA you can take two or three losses and then bounce back, right? right. But you have a greater chance of you know injury. You only can you know we, you're gonna fight less, right? You gotta fight to make money. Right, that's why Cowboy fights all the time. Sam Alvey fights all the time. Right, I gotta fight to make money. Right, I might have a side coaching job somewhere, but I'm not making any money if I'm not fighting. So Yair's gonna take this fight for you know this tougher fight for this same low level money, and probably be out, not and and probably get injured. So he's not gonna get the fight again this year. So he may not make you know he may not get a third fourth fight in this year. Right, so then he's losing all this money. So yeah, it's cost him. Right, exactly. So it's gonna cost him. You know, he's going to make 25 grand if he wins, right? But then if but then it could cost him in the long run 50, 60, 70 grand because he's sitting out. Right. You know what I mean? And then you've got the insurance part of it. That he's not going to have to pay, you know, get himself checked out and all this kind of stuff. So in that situation, them asking for more money, I totally get, right? I mean, it only makes sense for you to ask for more right. money. Now, most of the time now you're talking contender versus contender already, like we're both contenders, right? The cream has got to rise to the top. So those guys have got to fight each other. You know what I mean? Once you're a contender and you're making contender money, then you, you, you've, got to, you've got to take the fights they give you, right? But I, in that sense, where they're, where they're sending somebody that, like I said, he's going to be the the The, the land of slaughter. Yeah, they're, they're, they're sending him off like that? No, I would have demanded more money, too, to take that fight, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it's still a business, right? Like, people think, oh, it's a sport and all this <clears> kind of <throat> stuff. It's, st- it's still a business, right? I mean, if you look at the way, if you look at the way they matched Conor McGregor, right? He fought... Um, Marcus Brimage, Diego Brandau, Max Holloway, Dennis, Max Holloway, Max Holloway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but that was like Young Max, Max Holloway, Holloway before he like when they fought. Max Holloway had no training camp, no coach, no formal even building to train in. Like he was just, which is a credit to Max, right? That he even got to that level oh, yeah. without any of that stuff, right? So, Connor so he tore his ACL. So, yeah, Connor, they were both injured. So yeah, Max, Max like broke his foot or something. Yep. Or his ankle, something like that. And Lower legs. Yes. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Connor tore his ACL. Yeah. Then, so he and then he got Diego Brandau. Then Diego Brandau, um, um, Dennis Seaver, and then I think is when he got um, 
Tennessee. No, he got straight no, disrespectful. No, no he got he got Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, right? Before yep. Dustin yep. Seaver, yep, yep, yep. which is the that that yeah that yeah. was nasty. Yeah. yeah, and as soon as he just and straight Seaver. up embarrassed Seaver, that's when he did the cage yeah. hop and uh, yeah. with Aldo, right? Yeah, there. exactly. And then he gets Mendez on so, one week notice. Right. So he had so Max Holloway was a tough fight, right? He he walked through Brendel. He was gonna walk through Brimage. We all knew that. I mean, those guys were Brimage is like what five three, maybe five four. I don't know. He's not much taller than me. If if, if he's, he's, I don't think he's as tall as me. And I'm only like five six and a half, five seven, right? So he's not as tall as me. Brendel is like five three, right? So he, and then Seaver is like five six, but he's like forty something, right? So <laughs> and then he caught he caught um, Dustin, right? Which I still think. I mean, I think. At forty, I think at fifty-five they fought again. I think it's a tougher fight. I still think Connor wins. So we had Dustin. Yeah, he had Dustin, Max, and then Aldo. Right, he had three like actual tough fights. The other three fights were like simple fights as they were building a contender. You know what I mean? He had trouble at points with Mendez though. Too. Yeah, he I did. Mean, I mean, Mendez took I've, him down almost. I like said Will. this from the beginning that Mendez on a full camp makes it a lot more interesting. I was right? talking about this with Lionheart last week that if you know if they didn't call that fight because he, he got the finish like yeah. just a couple of seconds before the buzzer for the end of that round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he doesn't get that and they go to a third, it's that, different. that's interesting because you give Mendez another chance to take him back down because I mean what what was it? You know, at least two takedowns alone in that second round at that point where yeah. he had gotten him down and he had kind of had his will with him at Oh the no, he was point. he was having his way with him when he when he got in and wanted to take him down. I yeah. mean there's a point where He's holding him down, ground pounding, and Connor looks up at Herb and's like, "What are you doing?" And Herb's like, "No, he's fighting. You fight too." You know what I mean? Um, he was Connor was able to get up. Credit to Connor, right? But Mendez was was in that fight early. Mendez was in that fight. Connor was landing his shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, the body work was good, and even if Mendez was on a full camp, the body work was going to catch up, right? Because without fail, it always does, right? But but you get he'd it. been able to take a lot more of those without. It, it, that would have taken less from him. It'd have taken longer for it to pay off if Mendez had had a full camp, right? And he was like training, but he was like off hunting at the time they called him. You know right. what I mean? But also too, he he would have been able to shoot a lot more with those takedowns yeah. and be a lot more explosive and not get. And he would have, but he wouldn't. Have it wouldn't have cost him so much gas, gas. to shoot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so, okay. but bottom line is, you, you know, you, you got to. At the end of the day, with fighters, you know, you have to do what makes sense for you. Right. At the end of the day, there's fight, there's stuff that's going to make sense for the promotion, and more so than you. Maybe it makes more sense for you than the promotion, or sometimes it's equal. You know, so transactional relationship for sure. Exactly, because we're independent contractors. At the end of the day, we're not not employees. That's where everybody gets messed up with UFC fighters. They talk about Dana White suspending Connor for throwing a dolly. He legally, well, he can't actually suspend him because he's not an employee. He's an independent contractor. He can find, he can find him and take yeah. money off his next purse, right? But he can't actually suspend him like he's in a league, like right. in the NFL. So he cannot book him. Right, exactly. He cannot book so him. I guess that's kind of your suspension. That's your suspension. Yeah, right. Right, it's to not be booked. But I mean, but, we all know that if Connor wanted to fight right now, he'd be fighting. We all know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking about Dana, um, he, he mentioned that they're moving the weigh-ins from the morning to the afternoon, uh, back to what they us- used to do. Um, I don't mean Mike were talking about this, and 
I mean, obviously we'd never had morning weigh-ins, but I talked to uh, Mark Montoya about it, and he said he hated it because you had to be on weight the night before, you know, the fight, which it screws up your sleep cycle and all that stuff. But I mean, me. But what me and Mike keeps keep talking about, and I'm going to keep harping on this. We need to do what one of C does and just ban weight cutting. You know, like if you don't want any of these problems with like Darren Till missing, because the thing about Sean O'Malley was talking about that on the most recent Rogan show. Yeah, because think about it. It makes sense for both the promotion and the fighters, because the promoter doesn't have to worry about the fighter missing weight, number right. one. The fighter hasn't had to worry about cutting weight, number two. Number three, you're going to get better performances and actually get their fullest athletic potential because you're not depleting them to near death the night before. Yeah. Justin always talks about this when you talk about guys cutting weight. The juice isn't worth the squeeze, right? We'll talk about, like, Darren Till, right? He's... At least walks around 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. Can like you know may need to just cut off a leg to make 170, right? And he's still been putting on good performances. But I went back and watched all of his UFC fights. He gassed in the second round of every one of his previous performances in the UFC. He gassed, and it's and the guy's in shape. You can look at him tail. He's fit, right? He even he rehydrates and comes back in. He still doesn't have a bunch of fat on him. But he can't throw right. volume. He can't throw volume. He doesn't throw combinations either. Right, but he's, at eighty five, maybe he could do that. At eighty five, I think or exactly he could do he, that. So he'd be a different monster. Is the, and he's still a monster at seventy when he makes it. But man, if he was at eighty five, he would he would likely be more explosive much longer. You know what I mean? So yeah, I feel just, he would stack up against guys. You know, at eight, because I mean that, that's a pretty big jump. That's a fifteen pound gap. Because then you start talking about guys like. Rockhold, who's a fucking horse. Well, he's or actually Or Yoel up. Romero, yeah. or guys like well, he's that. Already, he's already that size, though, right? He's already... It's not like he's a 5'10 guy, five, you know, 5'9 guy that, 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 with, at that weight, right? But he's, he's six foot, six one already. So he's the same height as a lot of those guys. But think about it like this. I've, I've been watching this trend in fighting for a while now. Guys are starting to go up... Right, they're 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 the lighter guy, but they're starting to dominate. Yeah, yeah. But so, uh, oh, go ahead. oh, speaking of weight cutting, though, we we got a pretty crazy weight cutting. Story oh yeah, we got to give you. Yeah, one more thing. I when you had Justin on before, I listened, and you guys talked about amateurs throwing elbows. Okay, right. I've been meaning. I was I've been waiting on this, and he said that amateurs should throw elbows. The reason, the main reason, amateurs shouldn't throw elbows is that if you get cut, you can't fight, and you're not getting paid. Right, so amateurs should not throw elbows. Agree to disagree. Until they're at least advanced, and even I think if you're an advanced amateur, so like some states have advanced amateurs, right? Like you know, novice amateurs less than four or five fights, and then you get to be advanced, you get five, six, seven fights, right? So at that point, I think if they put some elbow pads on, amateurs should throw elbows. But if you're not getting paid to fight, you shouldn't have to worry about like bad cuts from fighting they keep you out of fighting when you're but, fighting for experience like that I don't think you should I don't think that's something you should have to worry about but, at least the same the, the, the cutting part of it but, I didn't mean to say that since you had it last time okay. okay but speaking of uh, weight cutting stories yeah. you know this isn't even related to actually cutting weight like the like <laughs> nobody had a near death experience yeah. during this weight cut so we're we're at Omni Fitness in Mobile we're doing our thing, cutting weight, yes, right? Me, Justin, our buddy uh, Mark, Mark Coker, and Justin, Justin Prescott. Prescott. So we're all in there, right? We're doing what we gotta do. 
we're in the sauna, we're coming out of the sauna, and this guy comes up to us and he says, are y'all fighters? He <laughs> said, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're fighters. Um, he said, oh yeah, well, uh, my brother, you know, he's a prof- he used to be a box professionally, you know, and I, and, and I used to tell him this all the time, listen now, when you step inside that ring, that's your office. Now, at the office, there can only be one boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you've so got to be the boss. Go in there and be the boss. And the guy, so like... The and he had one million. leg. The guy's got one leg, right? <laughs> like, he's got one leg. And he's a nice, he's a nice guy, you know? He's like a like country guy. Like, just imagine a like country guy yeah. with beard and like long hair. <laughs> almost like, like Joe Dirt with one leg. But like, <laughs> but like 60 years old, right? So 60-year-old Joe Dirt with one leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and just... So, oh, I'm, so, so I'm sitting there thinking to myself, is this the weight cut speaking to me right now? Or is this actually happening? But then but then the guy keeps repeating to us, there can only be one boss. Yeah, so there we're like sitting there on the floor, like we've all come out of the sauna, like just <laughs> hot and like sweating. We're like about on weight, but we're so when you do sauna rounds, right, you take a break. So we're like in a break if we're not done. And we're all just like kind of sitting on the floor laying around this guy. Like, no, none of us are responding, because, like, when you're cutting weight, you don't want to talk, right? Like, I'll listen to Go somebody talk. But, like, tell me a story, fine, but I'm, don't expect any feedback from me, because I'm just thinking about, like, not just saying, forget all this shit and going home, right? So this guy, he's just standing there with his one leg and his mullet and his beard, dude, looking like Joe Dirt. Uh, and he's just like, go in there and be the boss, only be one boss and like for like five straight minutes the guy doesn't That's go what, away exactly what he yeah. said too for like the whole like five straight minutes nobody and like people are like walking in and out like yeah. behind him you know what I mean because we're like in a gym yeah, so like, yeah. just like a changing locker room or whatever and guys are like walking out a guy just past. standing there yep one boss one boss for like five straight minutes dude we're all just sitting there like, like is this, this real? real? like are we hallucinating? <laughs> right? like we have the same hallucination because we're like sick of being in the sauna and sick of weight <laughs> But um, yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's really funny. Uh, yeah, if so everybody just, has the same hallucination, it's probably happening. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> so, happening, dude. So for all the people that are watching and listening to this, just remember, there can only be one boss, and it's got to be you. <laughs> it's got to be you when you go in there. It's, it was really funny. <laughs> there can only be one boss. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. So as we kind of start to wrap up here, we don't want to keep Austin waiting too long. Uh, is there any last words that you know that you want to you know share or words of wisdom that you want to share with the people out there listening? Yeah, guys, pay attention to the Contender Series coming up. I got a couple friends mm. fighting. Um, Christopher Curtis out of Team Quest. He's gonna fight next week. He's actually on the. First, I think he's the first main event. Second Ty- week, Tyler, Tyler Zombie Hill, Hill baby. Tyler Adam, Zombie Hill, Adam. the Mississippi Zombie. Alan Belcher MMA, Diablo uh, uh, Mississippi, a uh, good buddy of mine. He's going to fight. He's been training his butt off, man. Um, it's a really good dude. Uh, our guy, Justin Prescott, uh, he's going to be fighting for LFA June 22nd, maybe? Straight up killer. Yeah, he's finished killer. every one of his fights in the first round. Yep. Seven, or the se- or only one of them was in the second round. The seven second straight round. finishes, man. That guy's, that guy's nasty nice everywhere. Yeah, seven straight, six in the first round. You know, against undefeated guys, man. He, he just beat a really, really tough dude up in uh, near Memphis, Tunica, Mississippi, right near Memphis. Um, Ryan Red Hot Collins. It was a, it was a, he was undefeated, five, five or six and zero. Um, and and so we got Justin coming up, uh, Prescott coming up, Justin Pancake Prescott. Check him out on Facebook. Um, then we'll have Osborne coming back up soon, hopefully July twenty first. If not, he'll be back up right after that. 
our buddy Kurt Hullabaugh's fighting in the UFC. Uh, in Idaho, in Boise. In Idaho, yeah. Uh, I think that's July something. I think that it is in July. Uh, yeah, he's fighting in Rayoni Barcelos. He's got a tough fight. Um, it's yeah. the week after International Fight Week. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Our boy who got the first Contender Series contract. Yeah, first Contender Series contract. Kurt Hullabaugh. Kurt Hullabaugh. So Maybe. you guys check out Kurt on um, in UFC Idaho. And uh, just be on the lookout for us. You can follow, like I said, we gave our our uh, our social media info. We also check out, like I said, Mark Coker. He's coming up. He may fight on that show with uh, Justin July 21st. So, yeah, check us out, guys. We appreciate any and all support. Um, that's all I got. Definitely want to say thank you guys very much for you know taking the time to come on the show. Mike, it's been awesome having you on. You know, you've shared... A different side of the business, different side of the fight game that we haven't really peeled back the layers of the onion so far, you know, on the money yeah. side, on the business side. So, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing that side of things for us. So much appreciated for always having the opportunity with you guys. Yeah. So for everybody out there listening, make sure you go to www.cftpg.com. Type in promo code Summer Sale for 10% off your order. Get official comments from the Peanut Gallery merchandise. Got everything on there from baseball shirts to tees to summer tanks, lady shirts, everything in the mix. So just trying to fuel the dream out there. Try to make sure that we put on as much love for these guys as we possibly can and get their name out there. Yeah. So with that being said, thank you guys for watching. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Man. Appreciate it. Thank you.